dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Christianity means that we belong to Christ as members of his body. And that means that we extend his mission through our own body, our own space and time. What is the mission of Christ? One of the reasons he says that he came to this world was to seek and to save what is lost. If we are to be faithful to our mission, we need to do the same. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to continue this meditation with you, trying to examine every place in the Gospels where Christ speaks to us about his mission. After all, if I can understand why he came to the world, I'll better understand what the purpose that I have in my job and in my business and in my family actually is. It's one of those old sayings, right? It's like the easiest way to not get where you need to go is to not know where you need to get. <laughs> and that's a, that's a problem that I find a lot of us struggle with today in Catholicism because we have all of this wonderful spirituality, all this background, all this great stuff that we know that, you know, in the end, our, our Catholic faith is a rich tradition, but we really just don't see where it makes a difference and an impact in the concrete realities of our life. And if we did it'd be so much easier for us to embrace it and make it shine. You know, as, a, as an evangelizer, I go across the country preaching at Eagle Eye Ministries and the St. John Institute at all kinds of different events. Last year, 168 events we ran. And as I do all this preaching, you know, to some 15,000 people across the country, it, it's obvious to me that our struggle is not with our content and our struggle is not even with our messaging as Catholics. Our struggle is to show the relevance of what we are proclaiming in the daily life of the people around us. In other words, like, especially if you're dealing with the young people like we do at Eagle Eye Ministries, right? You, you're constantly trying to evangelize these 20-somethings in the early 30s. They have everything. They have a job. They have a culture. They have a country. They have health. What is it that they're looking for? Right? They, they come to Eagle Eye and they find oftentimes things that they didn't even know that they were looking for. But, but deep down inside, Christ responds to the deepest aspirations of their hearts. And when we bring them to Christ, we find that their hearts are on fire and their lives are given purpose. But that's because we found how Christ was relevant to them. Just like Jeff Bezos, they asked Jeff Bezos, what's the number one secret that you could share with future entrepreneurs? And Jeff Bezos said, if you want your business to be successful, give the customer what they're looking for. Well, it's, it's very, it's obvious that sales 101, right? I start off with where your need is and I tailor my message to your need. If I start off with what I need to give or what I need to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm serving myself by this business 
and it's not going to go very far. But if I start with the customer and look and tailor what I have to offer to what the customer is looking for and needs, well, then I'm guaranteed to reach success. So it's a bit of wisdom here, but that means that as we look at our Catholic faith and we look at the young people we're trying to evangelize in our families, if we look at trying to, to serve ourselves, even in our own hearts, do we start by identifying what we're looking for, what they're looking for, what they need? What is it that Christ came to bring to this universe that is unique and authentic and touching? If I could start there, I would be sure to speak a word that is relevant. And that's why I really want to show the usefulness of Scripture and for finding the purpose in our own life because fundamentally, that's the thing that we need more than anything else. If you were to ask me, Father Nathan, with all of your travels and knowledge of the human person, what is it that most people need more than anything? I would say it's purpose. Passion, drive, understanding these things are wonderful but they all hinge upon us knowing what our mission is the deepest poverty of the soul is rooted in the loneliness of someone who feels like life has no meaning you can achieve great things and and run wonderful businesses and found all kinds of restaurants and organize things in terrific fashion but if you don't have the truth of knowing why you're doing that and being able to embrace that and making it meaningful, well then in, in a sense you haven't really achieved much and that's what we face today. We need a sense of mission. And so let's start with a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us. We're going to be looking today at Luke 19 verse 10 where Jesus speaks specifically about his mission. But let's begin by bowing our heads and asking the Holy Spirit to guide us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so take out your Bibles with me. We're looking at Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And uh, remember that the Gospel of Luke was written really with a big accent on the poor, on the Gentiles, on those who were rejected, kind of like the little ones of the kingdom of God. It's the gospel of mercy is what a lot of people call it. In, in Luke 19, uh, verses 1 through 11, you have the story of Zacchaeus. And boy, doesn't he ever sound familiar to us today, right? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. All right, so you have the, he's in Jericho, he's not in Jerusalem, not in the religious capital, but in a center of business and commerce, and he was the chief tax collector. So what does that tell us about Zacchaeus? It means that he had betrayed his own people and was used as a tool by the occupying country to extort taxes from his own citizenry. When you were a tax collector, it meant that you got to keep 
whatever you raised or was you made the people pay over and above what you owed to Rome. So you got the benefits of using Roman power to extort money over and above what was your due. I'll get from your own people. So this was a, a traitor and a greedy man uh, living for a, in a materialistic lifestyle. I think about that because I wonder if some of us listening right now might feel that way inside. If we look back over our lives, maybe Zacchaeus isn't that far from what we've done. We've sold off our families. We've sold off our religion. We don't go to Mass. We don't go to Mass on the Sundays we're supposed to. We don't honor the Holy Days of Obligation. Well, why? Because in the end, we know that it's better for us in a monetary materialistic way even if we have to sacrifice something of what we hold dear in our terms of our values. There's something I want you to know and hear. Christ loves you, and he wants to come to visit you like he did for Zacchaeus. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. We're reading Luke 19 here and understanding, you know, verse 3, Zacchaeus wants to see Christ. He was seeking to see who he was, and on account of the crowd he could not because he was small of stature. Even though Zacchaeus had traded in so much of what made him ethical and all the greatness of the soul for money, and the love of money, there was still something inside of him that wanted to see Jesus. I think that's such an incredible commentary to understand. No one is completely alien from God. It was St. Augustine who said it so beautifully. The young man who knocks upon the brothel door knocks there seeking God. It's so easy to judge from the outside. It's so easy to have an impression of other people based upon what we think about them. But it is not as men sees that God sees. And Jesus came not to break the bruised reed or to snuff out the quivering flame. Instead, he came to uplift, to seek, and to save what was lost. This is his mission. And it's amazing because I think sometimes we don't allow him to seek and save ourselves. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're sitting here, you're, in, you're people of power, you're people of success, you're people who have achieved great things. You have sacrificed and gone to college and achieved the top of your class. You had scholarships. You, and then you got out and you went on into the business field and you were killing it. You've risen through their ladder. You've, you've, you've achieved, you've been certified. You've owned your own businesses, started them from scratch, built them from the ground up. And so all of that can sometimes come with a lot of baggage. And in our hearts, even though on the outside people acclaim us, oh my goodness, you know, you, you run a, a business, you employ 400 people, you employ 300 people, you're an amazing business leader. And you are. I mean, we know that. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. And yet deep down inside, we have baggage. We know what it costs us to get there. Sometimes there's guilt. Sometimes there's shame. Sometimes there's regret hiding behind our hearts because we don't think that we're really worthy of that summons from Christ. 
Could Christ call a rich man to follow him? Is it possible that Christ called a tax collector? You know, and we know that St. Matthew was a tax collector. We know that the story of Zacchaeus that we're about to study, but it's really hard to accept that that actually be for us. It'd almost be easier for us to hide in a crowd and to just watch Jesus from a distance. But deep down inside, we want to. So we climb that sycamore tree wherever we can find it in our own hearts, in our own lives, because we want to see him. It's very important to not judge from the outside. Christ alone knows the human heart. And Christ also knows your heart. He knows what's behind your baggage and your excuses. He knows what's behind all of your negativity and he knows what's behind your self-judgment. He knows that no one in this world is harder on you than you. But maybe this isn't a good thing. Does Jesus really want you to judge yourself harsher than he would ever judge you? And why is it that we judge ourselves? Because deep down inside, we know what is good and we feel regret for all of the days we didn't go to Mass, all of the Fridays during Lent where we ate meat, all of the, the times where we were mean and greedy and jealous and gluttonous, Christ wants to break through. Listen to me speaking to you. Watch what happens in Luke 19. Verse 4, So he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. The Lord invites himself in. He doesn't look at Zacchaeus and all of the reasons why he shouldn't like Zacchaeus. He looks at Zacchaeus and all the reasons why he should. How amazing if I could have that same gaze upon all of the people around me. The people who are mean or nasty or gluttonous or jealous or, or having all kinds of difficulties in their marriages. And, and instead of saying these people don't deserve God or, you know, in, in, in people that are even against God, that stand against the right to life, you know, uh, that stand against the, the values of the poor, that stand in kind of open hostility, not giving money, not contributing, not being a part of our society in a healthy way. We have a way of looking at all of that mass of humanity in a way different than how Christ looks at that. And sometimes we can, that can rub off even on our own families as our own children feel rejected by their parents. Why? Because they don't live up to the standards that the parents want. And it's a difficult balance, right? Because we have standards because standards are good, right? We, we want to insist that just as we fought our way through this world, so too should other people. And when they're not willing to fight their way through this world, well, then they're not worthy of the benefits that come and accrue to the ones who stand in the battlefield like we have, right? We've been in the arena of the business. We've been in the arena of leadership. And we feel, therefore, entitled to the rest and to the, the glories that come from it. And then Jesus comes along. And he goes towards a sinner. And he says he wants to be with them. Does this mean that it's wrong to have lived a good life? Does this mean that it's wrong to have striven the way we have? Does this mean that it's wrong to be in a good place? No. There's a lot of good saints that follow Jesus too. Look at St. John the Beloved. He, he, was, he was amazing. A disciple of John the Baptist. 
Look at Peter and Andrew. These are good fellows, devout men who followed the Messiah because they were looking for him. We saw that in John chapter 1. But at the same time, Jesus doesn't limit his calling to the good. Sometimes he goes after those who on the outside seem like they're bad. And why? He reveals to us. Verse 7. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when the crowd saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Look at that, right? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's a message, my friends, of hope. That God, looking into the hearts of each one of us, doesn't see the sum of our failings and of our sinfulness. He sees the sum of what his love and mercy can produce within us when we surrender ourselves to him. And if I could learn to look at my brother and my sister in the same way, maybe I could help them to produce the same fruits that Zacchaeus produced after he was loved. Do you notice this? First, Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. First, he shows him mercy. First, he goes towards him to speak to him about his greatness. And then Zacchaeus responds. First comes mercy, and then comes the response. What a mystery of love. What an opportunity for you and me as well. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. I was recently speaking with a, a fellow who, who runs a marketing company and he's a devout Catholic man and, and uh, is, is you know set off to do marketing and and branding for different businesses. And I was chatting with him from the heart about his experiences with the church. For a while, he was Catholic, and then he left, and he went into an evangelical community church. God bless some good people doing good things. And he spoke about very highly about all the things that he learned from this evangelical church. And I remember him saying that one of the things that the, the church, that not the Catholic church, but the evangelical church he was worshiping in did was that they, they had their parking lot arranged so that the, the spaces nearest to the door, nearest to the entryway, were reserved for those who hadn't been to church recently. There was, they had signs up saying for new members or for visitors nearest to the door and that the staff parked on the other side of the parking lot. And he said about the strength of that symbol, that the church is actually there in order to bring to it people who are looking for God instead of maybe making that an obstacle or barrier of entry. They, you know, there's like in, in, the, in the world of sales, you don't want anything to be between you and the person who you're trying to sell to. The person who wants you're serving by your sales, you're actually trying to facilitate their entrance into the destination that they themselves are seeking. 
And of course, a good salesperson identifies before anything else what the customer is looking for so that then they can meet that need. Wouldn't it be amazing if our church adopted the same mentality? Wouldn't it be amazing if our family cultures adopted that mentality? What, what are we here for after all? If we're here just to be a, a trophy room for the successful, well, you know, we're, we, we ourselves might not find our picture in the trophy room. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, we're, if, if the church exists just to exhibit lives of holiness to make depressed those who are lost, well, we've also betrayed something essential of the mystery of Christ. He came to seek and to save what was lost. He came to go towards those who weren't in good spot, who, whose lives were broken, and, and the, those who were lost, the Greek word actually speaks not only of being lost, but also of being ruined. That's why he says to seek and save that which is lost. The Greek word is actually apalolos, that which was lost. But it also has a connotation to us of a type of destruction or death or ruin, right? So he came to seek the lost and to save the ruined. What a joyful message this is for us. It doesn't mean that it's okay to be lost or ruined. It just means that the game is never over, my friends. If you're lost, it's because you're waiting to be found. If you're blind, it's because sight is going to be given to you. Our church exists, in other words, to reach out. And when we say that, we speak right to the heart of our leadership because in the business world, you've learned how to make your product be adaptable and desirable and helpful to your client. Phrases like the customer is always right. That's a huge word. Or creating a culture where your work people can give the very best of themselves, a workplace culture that's healthy and not toxic. We become the servants when we're leaders of this facilitation of the greatness of those who are striving who are growing. I think of a school. The purpose of the school is not for the intelligent, but those needing instruction. Right? The purpose of a parent is not for an adult, but for children. The purpose of a coach is for those not who can play, but those who can't play. And in the same way, the church exists in order to seek and to save what was lost. That outward focus that can become ours in the same way once we allow ourselves to encounter mercy. St. Francis de Sales said this so beautifully. He said, you know, the, the reason why we're not merciful with our children, with our spouses, with our families, with our friends, the reason we have a hard time judging people and condemning them all the time is because we ourselves have not yet encountered the depth of the mercy of God. When I look at the life of St. Paul and just how far his sin went, and how far his persecution went. I'm amazed because his conversion flipped all of that on his head. He was the one who was imprisoned after he had imprisoned so many. And he was the one who was beaten after he had beaten so many. And he was the one who was stoned even after he had been part of the stoning of Stephen. It's almost like God took all of the evil that he did and then he let St. Paul go through it the rest of his life so that Paul could bury that, bear that cross that he had given to others to carry and that he could be wounded for those upon whom he had inflicted wounds. 
And as St. Paul does this, his mercy seems to have no bounds. He would go towards the leaders and he would go towards the poor. He would go towards those who were against him and try to convert them and those who were lost far away into paganism, worshiping not even the one God of the Jews, worshiping things that they didn't even know or understand. Paul's heart was open to this world because he had found that Christ's heart was open to him. I want to challenge you. You are sitting in front of me with so much talent, so much capacity, so many resources. What are you doing with your great talent and with your great resources? What are you doing to make the lives of the poor, not just the materially poor, but the spiritually poor, the lost, the destroyed, the morally corrupt? What are we doing to win them back to Christ? Do we present a Christ whose arms are open upon the cross and death for sinners? Or do we present a Christ whose heart is closed for anyone who's not perfect? His mission, my friends, was to go towards the lost and those who were destroyed to seek them out. Again, it doesn't mean to condone what was bad but it means to seek out that hidden jewel of what is good, to give, to be a, like God, a God of second chances, to be able to breathe that life of mercy into other people's hearts. It's only the more that we recognize how far away we are in the mistakes that we made. Guys, that's not to condemn you or to make you locked into shame. If you realize how far away you've been from God, it's so that you can turn and serve him all the more. Imagine the power that your life could unleash if you were to look at your, your failings and your faults not as a, a, a sentence of condemnation but as a gift that God was going to make of you as, as to be an instrument of hope. In other words, how fun if you could talk like Fulton Sheen who went to the prisoners and began to preach a retreat to prisoners by saying there's one difference between you all and me. Only one. And that's that you got caught. What a perspective. I once was lost, but I have been found so that I can go towards those who are lost and bring them with me. Christ has called us in our leadership positions to never give up hope, to never stop believing, to never believe that evil is greater than the potential of a person to glorify God that sin is not the last words in a person's life, that we are not bound to evil or to defeat, but by the mercy of God, we are set free to set free those who are captives, to come and seek and save the lost in the name of God the Savior. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.